0: Hi, this is Petrina Bromley, and you're listening to Tobin Tonight.
1: get into this. We're both Newfoundlanders. We're both from the East Coast. We seem to have a lot of the things that you are involved in are a lot of things that I'm very interested in. So let's start right off with your career of being an actress. When did that start?
0: You know, I have kind of always been involved in theater since I was a little kid. The first show I ever remember doing, I was in grade eight at Pius 10th in St. John's and we did A Christmas Carol. It was a community production and that was the first time I ever went, oh, I really like this. And I had been a music student all my life. My degree at university was music. And while I was there studying, Um, was doing mundrama Drama on the side and that led to a tour of the island with a company called Newfoundland Young People's Theatre and uh, once I sort of realized hey I can actually do this professionally (laughs) I hopped on it and I've just been working ever since.
1: Now in grade 8 when you were in that play did you have a big part or a minor part?
0: I had the tiniest little part I was one of the many many urchins.
1: (laughs) Oh see that's where we're similar because I remember in grade 5 when I I had a part in a play and uh, it was a Christmas one as well well, but I was a mouse and I only had two oh, lines.
0: You <laughs> but you had two lines.
1: But right. the funny part is, is you would think that if you only have two lines that you would come out on stage on time. I was late and my teacher, oh, gave no. it, my teacher gave it to me for that. You're not just an actress, you're a musical director and composer. Where did you get the interest in that kind of stuff as well?
0: Uh, I had taken music lessons all my life. I'd taken piano and voice lessons and when the time came, came to choose what to do at university, I thought what I wanted to do was be a music teacher. Because at the time, I had had a a drama teacher in high school and a music teacher in high school who both worked professionally as well as taught in the school system. And to me, I thought, well, that's perfect. That's the dream. So I went to Mun Music and studied there and was taking the education courses and sort of got into the Ed Psych, Ed Philosophy courses and realized, yeah, no, this is isn't really for me. And then, as I said, I got that touring gig. But I've always been involved in music my whole life, choirs and groups. And I played in jazz band and in junior high school. So it's something that I've always kind of dabbled in. And being a lifelong choral singer, I've always been interested in harmonies and arranging the sound of uh, how notes interact and all that sort of stuff. And I think I just sort of accidentally fell into it because of being a part of the mundrama drama scene in St. John's. Somebody came along at one point going, you do music. I need someone to be musical director for this show. And I said, totally, I'd love to do that. And that's kind of how it started and then snowballed from there. And my early involvement with Artistic Crowd of Newfoundland was composing and musical directing under rap, which was a piece that I did about 20 years ago. And then was musical director on a bunch of other things for them and compose some stuff as well. It's just one of those things that I didn't necessarily set out on that path, but when I found that path, I went, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I need to be doing.
1: Let me see if I got it right. You kind of got the director, the the musical director and composer side first, and then it kind of went into showing people that you could also act on on the side as well
0: kind of happening at the same time. I mean, St. John's is a small enough arts community that if you are a multitasker, people will come to you for the other <laughs> things that you can do. And so that happened to be in my bag of tricks that I could read music, play piano, and therefore I should be able to teach other people the songs in the show that I was doing. So it kind of just fell out from there. But I sort of—I was being an actor first at Mundrama before I was ever being a musical director.
1: You were multitasking and you were unstoppable. And when you're unstoppable, people just want... <laughs> <laughs> People say like, hey, she can do it all. I'm big on sports, so I'll use the sports reference of he can take a wrist shot, slap shot. He can play offense, defense. You could do all of it, basically. Yeah, that
0: sounds good to me. <laughs> I'll take that as a
1: compliment. <laughs> you just mentioned about Newfoundland being a small place. But, I mean, you branched out from there and you found yourself being a member of the National Arts Center English Theater Ensemble in Ottawa. Try saying that five times fast. How did, how did that come to be?
0: That was a very fortunate thing for me in that the woman who is now the artistic director of the English theater is Gillian Kiley, who was the founder of Artistic Fraud of Newfoundland. <laughs> so when she was creating her first ensemble, I was just fortunate enough to be one of the people that she auditioned and chose.
1: Can you kind of tell me how that all came about to to make it a musical and a theater play?
0: is the brainchild, actually, of Michael Rubinoff, who is the dean of uh, Sheridan College in Toronto, which is a musical theater performing arts college. They do technical theater and performance theater. And he had known the story. I'm not quite sure where he knew the story from, but he knew it. And in his mind, he thought it was a story waiting to be told on stage. He approached several music theater writers, Canadian musical theater writers, and they all didn't see it as the the sort of opportunity that he did. And then he met David Hine and Irene Sankoff, who are our writers, after their production, that was a fringe production in Toronto called My Mother's Lesbian Jewish Wiccan Wedding, (laughs) was picked up by Mervish when they had a sudden cancellation in their calendar. So this incredible opportunity happened for them that this tiny little fringe show that is gonna hit at the fringe was picked up by Mervish, which is kind of that doesn't usually happen so they had that opportunity Michael saw that show he met them afterwards and he approached them to write it at Sheridan they have an initiative there called the Canadian Musical Theatre Project which is a, a means of creating new musical theatre and allowing the students to be a part of that process of creating new theatre which is an incredible opportunity for the students because uh, usually Relates you're just learning stock shows that have existed for a long time. You're doing Bye Bye Birdie, or even if it's something more recent, it's the book and the music, and they don't change. But when you're a part of the creation of a process, you have to adapt to constant change. Cutting and changing, and scenes are eliminated or added in and all that kind of stuff, which is just a really good thing for students to learn, because there's a lot of original creation of theater in Canada, and most students will find themselves in the professional world, living that experience. So he approached them. They thought it might be a good idea. They weren't entirely sure, but they they were interested enough to check it out further. David had been a lifelong Great Big Sea fan, and sort of East Coast traditional music in general, so he was excited about that opportunity. And they themselves had been here in New York on 9-11. Irene was studying at the time, doing a master's degree, I believe, and they were living in a, a grad student Housing complex, kind of on the upper west side. I think the day that it all happened, they spent the day there in that dormitory with students from like 120 countries from all over the world, and they felt a real sense of community while that was happening because everybody kind of came together to talk to each other and and help each other through what was going on. And by the end of the first evening, someone pulled out a piano and. There started to be music being made, singing and, and, you know, just just passing the time together in that way. So they went down to the 10th anniversary of the uh, Gander 9-11 events in 2011 to meet people who had had the experience and to interview them and to collect some stories, do the research and find out, is there something here we think we can do? And the idea that it was a community that was created which was a similar experience to what they had had here in New York at the time, I think is what originally drew them to it. And then they just started talking to people and they experienced their own come from away, (laughs) kind of um, embracing by the community because people just started saying things like, oh, don't waste your money on a hotel, come stay at the house. Here's the car, there are the keys whatever you need it's yours so they were just kind of overwhelmed by how wonderful the experience was and and then they met all these people who told these incredible stories and they gathered hours and hours of interviews and then slowly started to turn that into a theater piece i think they say they went to a cabin in the woods somewhere in northern ontario and hid away and put everything out on the spread everything out on the floor and tried to pick what would be the through lines that they could put together in one full piece. And David jokes that the original first draft was five hours long and they hadn't even gotten off the plane. That's about six years ago. It had its time at Sheridan, and that led to a production. By this point, it was still two acts, I think. Then it went to Goodspeed Musicals, which is a festival that happens here in the States, and the National Alliance of Musical Theatre, which also has a festival. So it did a couple of those things, and that's where they met... The producers, Randy Adams and Sue Frost, who thought that the show was something that deserved to uh, to have a life and, and be told, and more people needed to hear the story. And then that led to the first original professional production in La Jolla, California. And then from La Jolla, we did Seattle, Washington, Toronto, Gander, and now New York.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's been getting great reviews from all those places. Why did you choose to do it in a musical style? I mean, because I, I feel like... If you just told it as a story itself or made it dramatic without the whole music, it would be, as, it would be good. But whose idea was it to turn it into a kind of a musical?
0: I, that originally comes from Michael Rubinoff because uh, his uh, initiative there at Sheridan is the Canadian Musical Theater Project. So he, he saw it as a musical. And that's what David and Irene do. They they write musicals. But they'll be the first ones to tell you that they heard these stories and they immediately felt like it sang. They could, they could tell that these were stories that were going to literally sing. Uh, I think the opportunity to use the sound of Newfoundland traditional sort of folk rock was something that really excited them?
1: No, I mean, it makes sense. It was just a question that I was always kind of Wondering.
0: People say all the time, a 9-11 musical? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but in the end, it, it's more of a 9-12 story, how we look at it. Because it's not really about what happened on the day. It's what happened in the aftermath. Yes. In those four or five days afterwards. What happened to people in the community that was created and how people just became their best selves and were the most generous versions of themselves that they could be on both sides. The passengers and the townspeople. Because it, I mean, very easily 7,000 people show up in a town of about 8,000 and it could have been complete and total chaos.
1: Yeah. Now, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but of course, when you say it's like a nine twelve story, you're not so much focusing on the the tragedy of it. You're just trying to focus on the good that you that was brought out from it. Like, it could have easily been a lot worse than what it was. But with the the stories that are being told and the generosity of you know the people of Gander, it turned out to be kind of a a feel good story at the end of it.
0: Exactly. Yeah, Um, because it does happen. Remote from all of the events here in the state in Newfoundland, all you could really do was watch it on television or read about it in the newspaper you know we don't consider it to be i mean obviously it happens against the backdrop of nine eleven but it is about events that are sort of peripheral to that
1: yeah you're trying to put a like a positive spin on a, on a, a tragic event kind of thing
0: yeah kind it, of life affirming to think that while these horrible things were happening there were uh, acts of kindness and, and goodness and generosity happening. Just to think the humanity of that, of people really rising to be their best selves at the worst possible time.
1: You mentioned where these people were on 9-11. I know that I was in, can't remember what grade I I was in. I just know that we were on our way to a doctor's appointment when the news broke and we heard it on the radio. I actually remember telling my friend, uh, oh, a plane crashed into the World Trade Center. He said, that was years ago. And I was just uh, like, I just thought about it for like five minutes and I was like, is, is this old news? Then when we got in the car and I heard it again, I'm like, I can't wait to go back to school and tell this guy, like, no, I was right. Like, you didn't believe me. Where were you two when this was all going down? I
0: was at home in St. John's. And I, like you, I heard it first on the radio and then immediately turned on the television. And uh, unfortunately, did actually turn the television on in time to watch the second plane hit. But I, I was in St. John's.
1: We know how well the play is doing. A lot of Newfoundlanders have gone down, come back and said it's great, they want more people to see it. How did you get cast in in the
0: It's such a great uh, small town story. I I love that this was the path that got me there. I was actually in Gander uh, on the anniversary with a local theater company called Rising Tide Theater. And we were doing our own, believe it or not, our own musical about the events of 9-11 in Gander written by a a composer from Gander named Dean Burry. And I walked into a coffee shop with another actor who was someone from Ontario that we had hired specifically for this show. And the only other people in... (laughs) this coffee shop were David and Irene. And Grant, Tilly, who was with me, said, oh, these are my friends, David and Irene. They're here in town doing research. And so I met them there. And then after that, they saw some of my work in Toronto uh, touring with Artistic Fraud. We did Oil & Water and After Image in Toronto. And, And they saw me there. And they were very, very interested, and rightly so, in having Canadian actors and particularly Newfoundland actors involved to help bring the sensibility of Newfoundland to the show. And so they asked me if I was interested to audition, and I went down to New York and auditioned, and very, very thankfully and and luckily got the job.
1: Luck of the draw, but I mean, it worked out well for you.
0: Oh my gosh, if I hadn't walked into that uh, (laughs) coffee shop at that point in time with that person who knew those other people, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those weird uh, confluences that uh, you're just grateful for after
1: the fact that's gonna do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight our thanks to Petrina Bromley for coming on the show remember you can find past present and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify and iTunes follow us on Twitter like us on Facebook and leave a comment or two for Tobin and myself this is Jacob saying come from away is another example of Newfoundlanders hospitality honestly how can you hate Newfoundlanders for real though Anyways, thanks for listening, and good night.
0: Hi,
1: I'm Steve Yurko.
0: And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, 4Kids Flashback. I actually worked there as a voice actor
1: on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does.
0: And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts.
1: That's the number four kids flashback.
0: Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind what she said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com. Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's blasttheradio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.